Awesome. How's everyone going? This is obviously going to uh, be a bit of a different week. And I really love that um, even through worship, there's such a sense of God's presence. This is also a bit of a great test, as Beck was saying uh, to me this morning, because I am about to purchase uh, a head mic so that I can use my hands to do stuff. And so my hands go all over the place this morning. It's because I'm experimenting. And so <laughs> this is what Joe wants me to do. <laughs> and it's going to be lots of fun. Uh, we, are going, we are following up uh, in our Good Place series. Last week, we spoke about the five myths about hell. Uh, I had some people uh, get in touch with me during the week saying how amazingly foundational uh, the message was, and I think it is so true, isn't it? We sometimes get a lot of understanding about the afterlife through pop culture rather than actually diving into the Word of God. And so today we are going to be exploring heaven. And uh, it's kind of like last week, like I mentioned, was the bad news this week. is supposed to be the good news. Um, but let me just give you my title for this week. It's called Going to Heaven is Overrated, okay? So if you want a title, uh, it might be a bit of a downer right now, but we will go through this and we'll show, I'll show you why going to heaven is overrated. Next week, we are going to be talking about a very important topic, which is what makes God a good judge. How do we know that we can trust that God on the day of judgment will judge us fairly? And that he will judge as well. The week after that, we are going to talk about, um, I guess, the point system that God uses in judging us. Okay, so these are all things that I've found in the Word of God. He is our judge. He knows the, uh, uh, what point system he's using. How does he rate what is good versus bad? Those are all in the Word of God, and we're going to unpack it over the next two weeks. Uh, but today we talk about heaven. And heaven is a place that I think we all generally look forward to. Whether you are Christian or not, the word heaven is in our everyday language. I have been to many funerals, um, both of Christians and non-Christians. And, um, and no matter what funeral you go to, there will, be some, there will be people saying in the eulogies, we'll see you again in heaven. We'll see you again in heaven. There are all these songs in, um, in pop culture that, that talks about you've lost a friend and you're going to see them in heaven. Guy Sebastian apparently thinks that heaven is just going to be a big choir and we're all going to go up to heaven and join this big choir, which has some elements in the Bible. But what does the Bible actually say? What is heaven like? We think about heaven being bliss. We think about heaven being this place where there's no pain, no suffering, and we think that it's going to be amazing. We even sing or use the word heaven to describe when we enjoy something very much on this earth, don't we? Oh, eating that pie was absolute heaven. Going to that concert was like a taste of heaven. So that's a very interesting concept, that when we are pleasured, that's heaven. And a Good Place series, which I was going to show the clip, but obviously I can't this morning, shows you that that is what they think heaven is going to be like, or the Good Place is going to be like. Um, there's going to be some spoilers here. If you do want to watch the series, I am going to absolutely spoil the ending. So if you want to cover your ears for the next few minutes, I don't mind. I'm not going to see that as rude. Um, I might make a face at you. But anyway, you can cover your ears if you don't want me to mess up this series for you. But starting right now. 
the good place over four seasons talks a lot about hell. They cover hell for about three and three quarters of the whole series. They talk about the bad place a lot. And it kind of somewhat is like the Bible. The Bible talks a lot about hell, but sometimes not a lot about what heaven is like. And, um, and, and, and all throughout the series, they try to, the, the main characters are trying to find a way into the good place. Finally, over the last maybe three, four episodes, they finally get to the good place. And they find that the good place is, as they call it, perfection. And their description of perfection is this. That whatever you want, when you want, you think about it and immediately you receive it. So one of the characters really likes milkshakes. And so whenever she thinks about a milkshake, she gets a milkshake immediately in her hand. And it is the best milkshake of all times. She drinks the milkshake. And then because she drinks so many milkshakes, she needs to pee. But then she pees into her pants, which automatically disappears because you are in the good place. And she said, this is perfection. It is so awesome. And there's another character that really likes computer games. And so he, of, he thinks about a computer game and there's a whole room full of that computer game that he wants to play. And so he goes and plays the computer game. And they call it perfection. They say, this is perfection. However, there was a problem with this perfection according to the good place. According to the good place, when you get all your pleasures, when you want and, and how you want it, right there, right then, it makes you into a, a, a mindless zombie. And when you think about maturity and life, when your child only gets what they want, when they want, how they want, you call them childish. But somehow, somewhere, we think that heaven is going to be a place where I get what I want, when I want, how I want. Why is that perfection in heaven, but on earth is immaturity? And when we have children that we pander to and give whatever they want, when they want, and they stay immature, they are terrible people. They are like the worst people. I would say that that kind of self-centeredness is actually... The root of all sin. We talk about, the Bible says the pride is the root of all sin, right? But pride is this sense of looking at yourself. So if you want to, think about it. Self-centeredness leads us to sin. It leads us to desiring and chasing after what we want. So is heaven really a place where you simply get what you want, when you want, how you want? Or is perfection going to look somewhat different? That's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to start with a definition. By the way, no one's going to, no one was worried about being spoiled. All good. Um, so to start off, I want to give you a definition of heaven. If you want to write this down, this was uh, uh, penned by Wayne Grudem, who is an eminent theologian. And he defines heaven in this way. Heaven is the place where God most fully makes known his presence to bless. Okay? Heaven is a place where God most fully makes known his presence and his presence is always one that blesses us. And we do have to uh, probably get into a bit of an understanding of what, what this whole blessing thing means because in our culture, when you think bless, you think I get what I want. But that's maybe not exactly what it means. But one of the things that we need to note is that 
Heaven, according to the Bible, is not a place of necessarily the afterlife forever and ever. It isn't. First and foremost, heaven in the Bible is where God is. It is where God resides. And more than that, we have to understand something very carefully. Heaven is a created place. Heaven is a created place. We have to keep that in mind because sometimes we, I don't know what you think about this, but sometimes we kind of think that God was somewhat wandering on in, in, in this timeless place. And as he was coming across, he came across a city called heaven and he decided this is where I'm going to land. No, God created heaven and earth. As much as the plan of existence we are in is created, so heaven is also created. Genesis 1 verse 1 makes this very clear. In the beginning, the beginning of what? In the beginning of time, God created the heavens and the earth. God created heaven. And what did he create it for? He created it as his home as a home for him to stay, for him to reside. The Bible describes it that way. Isaiah 66 verse 1 says this, this is what the Lord says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Heaven is my throne. I reside here. This is where I stay. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? He's talking about, I don't need whatever temple that you are making because I have already created one for myself. It is called heaven. And then when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he says this in Matthew 6, verse 9, the Lord's Prayer, Our Father in heaven. heaven. It wasn't like our Father living in some other space that, you know, he lives in heaven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then we find, very interestingly, in 1 Peter 3, verse 22, Jesus, who has gone into heaven, and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to Him. You see, what we need to understand is that the Father and the Son, remember we talked about the Trinity about a month and a bit ago, the Father and the Son clearly in the Bible have been given, um, uh, the expression is that they are in heaven. They are already in heaven. That is the place of their residence. We find out that there's also God on earth in the form of the Holy Spirit. That's what we talked about the last series. And so we have the Father and the Son in heaven, Holy Spirit on earth. We have God in heaven, God on earth. Heaven is the place of their residence. Earth is the place of our residence. So what happens when we die? Do we go to heaven? Now, this is a very complicated question. And I'm going to give you a simplified answer from my research that hopefully will give you enough to get where I'm trying to go with this message. The answer, as far as I've been able to work out, is yes, but probably not in the way that you think. In Luke 23, verse 43, when Jesus was uh, being hung on the cross and he had the other criminals beside him, one of the criminals said, you know, don't despise him, he is a, a good man. And, and then he turns to Jesus and he says to Jesus, remember me. And Jesus turns to him and says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And we take that one verse and then we go, see, we go to heaven when we die. Answer is probably yes, but not quite. 
You see, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. By the way, today there's a lot of scripture because I'm wanting you to see that this is not some fanciful philosophy. This is Bible, okay? 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 says this. It's a bit convoluted, but follow me. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. What does it mean by sleep in death? The person's died from this plane of existence. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. That means that those who died as believers and faithful followers of Jesus Christ will be risen to heaven because Jesus is in heaven, right? So, but that's not all. It says, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord. So that's the end. The day of judgment, the day of the Lord, those who are alive at the day of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. That's a bit of an interesting one. Because there's something else going on here. Why is there this thought of preceding and who goes where? Let's keep reading because it's interesting. For the Lord himself, verse 16, will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Hang on, if they're already risen, why are they being risen again? What is going on? Let's keep reading. Verse 17. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I'm, that's, that's supposed to be an encouraging message, by the way. That's supposed to encourage you guys. Woo-hoo! What the heck is going on? Okay, so this is what the Bible describes. When we die, our bodies are buried, right? Or they're left on this earth. And then our soul or spirit or, or some form of us are caught up with Jesus into heaven. That is part one. However, the Bible does not stop there. You don't go to heaven and make your home in heaven forever and ever. Heaven is an intermediary place. It's an in-between space of waiting but with the Lord. It is a, probably a good space because Jesus calls it paradise but that is not the end of where scripture uh, finishes about where the afterlife is meant to be so you see what happens then is that on the day of the lord jesus comes down to earth from heaven and it says that the dead will rise what does this mean because the bible teaches us that every single human being on the whole of history will be resurrected on the final day Our bodies will be restored and renewed. And according to the Bible, there is this word that I don't have a lot of time to describe, but it's called glorified. We will have our glorified bodies. If you want to know what a glorified body is like, think about when Jesus died and rose again and he spent a few days on this earth meeting his disciples. That is a glimpse of the glorified body. He gets to appear in places. Apparently, a glorified body gets teleportation abilities. Very cool. No more walking. I love this. 
You know, people running 5Ks a day. Why? I just teleported there. It's amazing. You get to walk through walls. Like Jesus is like, they were meeting in a room with a locked door. Like Jesus like, no problem for me. Glorified. And glorified body in resurrection. Jesus, God's intention wasn't for us to simply be caught up in heaven without our uh, body form. Our body is actually part of God's plan. And so when it says that they are risen, again from the dead, it literally means a resurrection fully from the dead. It means that what is caught up with God in heaven is not the final form of how God intends us to be in the afterlife. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm losing my breath. What we are saying, what you need to realize is that then when we are resurrected, there's this whole proceed, proceed thing. What is going on? Well, Jesus then on the day of the Lord is leading us into the afterlife. And those who have gone before will go first. And then those who happen to still be alive in a physical form on the day of resurrection will then follow. Heaven isn't the final destination. Going to heaven is overrated because that isn't the intention of God. Why would we want to go to the pit stop rather than the final stop? Why would we be champing at the bit for the pit stop rather than the final stop? It's not like you go for a holiday and you're driven somewhere. Even though your holiday might be seven hours away, you go four hours. Oh, this is good enough. You know, I've got accommodation seven hours away. That is, you know, I, I've planned it out. I know what is there. It's going to be amazing. I put a down, uh, a down payment for my accommodation and, and maybe transport or, or, or whatever I've got down there. But you know what? I've, I've traveled three hours and that is good enough. No, you don't stop at the pit stop. Oh, well, you do, but only for a little while. Yeah. Going to heaven isn't where God intends us to be. Going to heaven is a rest stop for those who have finished their earthly life, but it isn't a day of resurrection yet. Jesus intends us and teaches us, the Bible teaches us about something more than heaven. Don't get caught up with going to heaven. Get caught up with God's full plan and what he intends for the whole of eternity. And this is what the Bible teaches us. It is not going to heaven. It is about a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. Here's something that we need to understand. If you read early church literature, if you look at the Jewish uh, uh, Christian believers uh, and what they intended 2,000 years ago, no one talks about going to heaven. No one. That is a new concept, a thought that Jesus never taught us. Jesus didn't say, I want to bring you to heaven. Rather, he says, I want to bring you into the new heaven and the new earth. Let's look at that in the Bible. 2 Peter 3 verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Even heaven is going to disappear on the day of the Lord. Even heaven is going to be judged. Consider that. Heaven isn't perfection yet. Because God never intended heaven to be separate from earth. We're going to cover that in a moment. Hebrews 12, 26 to 27. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he promised, once again, I will shake not only the earth, but also 
the heavens. The word once more indicates the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Heaven will be shaken. If you go to heaven and you go, this is where eternity is, and then on the day of the Lord, you find this, well, can't call it an earthquake, can you? Heavenquake. And you get freaked out because you're like, this is supposed to be for eternity. Well, you've got it wrong. Heaven and earth will be shaken because God is intending something far more eternal than the created heaven and the created earth in its current form. To Peter, 3 verse 13 says this, But keeping with his promise, we, Christians, believers, are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. One more passage before I explain a bit more. Revelation 21, 1 to 5. This is John in his vision of the end of time or the end of days or the day of judgment. There are a few different names that he's given. But it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. He was seated on the throne and said, I am making everything new. And He said, write these down, for these words are trustworthy and true. The early church wasn't looking forward to going to heaven. They were looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. They were looking forward to the day that God establishes His dwelling place on this earth fully. They were looking for a time where righteousness would dwell on earth because heaven and earth are now together as one. Perhaps a picture of this is the Garden of Eden when we read in Genesis. And that was God walking in the cool of the day, enjoying His creation with His creation. And He would meet daily with Adam and Eve. And in that place, they would be together and they would have this communion. That probably is a closer picture of what heaven is like. It's not heaven uh, separate from earth, but it's heaven and earth. God's plan is for the restoration and the renewal of this earth and of heaven in a way that the two are now one. So, what is the big deal? How is going to heaven and having new heaven and new earth any different? In your mind, it could be like, well, it's still the same, isn't it? No, not the same. And this is why it's not the same. When we get into our minds that the whole purpose of this existence is to wait to die and then go to heaven, we see this time on earth as simply a time of waiting to die. 
But when we understand that that isn't God's intention, then we stop waiting to die. You see, God's intention, God's intention is that we understand that heaven is coming to earth. And that's the fullness, but we get to taste it today. We get to taste it today. See, when Jesus was preaching and he started his preaching, you can see this in all the Gospels, he begins his public ministry going around and he tells people, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. But then this is really interesting. In Matthew 12 verse 28, we see a shift from the kingdom of heaven is near to the kingdom of heaven is upon you. He changes the words. And why does he change the words? Because he has just performed a healing, a miracle in that moment. And in that moment, he says to the people, you are now seeing the kingdom of heaven in operation upon this earth. You are seeing a glimpse of what the afterlife is going to be like where heaven meets earth. One of the things that we need to stop thinking about is going to heaven and starting to think about experiencing kingdom. If heaven is simply where God's presence is most manifest for the purpose of blessing us, the kingdom is where His reign is established. And we need to stop thinking about going to where He is because God's intention is that we bring Him wherever we go. There is a massive difference. He, Jesus teaches us to pray, Matthew 6 verse 10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is already in heaven. Why would Jesus tell us to pray, your kingdom come, if all we're waiting for is this earth to be destroyed so that we will all be taken up to heaven? No, God wants us to be his ambassadors. He wants us to be the people who have experienced enough of heaven to go, wow, this is what living is all about. This is what life is meant to be like. And I need, I need, I need my friends, my family, this earth to understand the power of the kingdom of heaven that is available, not when you die, but right here, right now. Yes, yes, there is a sense that we will never experience the fullness of kingdom on earth. Absolutely true. There is a day coming where that fullness is going to come. But why wait? You see, our lives is not about waiting to die to go, but living in a way that brings. We're not waiting to die to go. We're living in a way that brings. We're not waiting to die to go. We're living in a way that brings. Why am I waiting for a day that I get taken out of here? That is so selfish. That is selfish. That is self-centered. I want to go to that place where I get what I want when I want. Hey, that's what sinners say. That's what we say when we sin. I want what I want when I want. When we are transformed by Jesus' life and his power in us, we go, oh, there's something more for me to do. Remember what Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Yes, there is more in Christ uh, and, and going to where God is. I don't have to push and to struggle and to sacrifice 
anymore, but Paul still saw that for me to live is Christ. And I will put aside whatever gain I could get because my life still matters and God still has a call for me today, today, today. When we as Christians get so caught up with tomorrow, our today doesn't matter anymore. When we get so caught up with going somewhere else, we look at this place and go, see you later, you don't matter to me. When in a marriage you get so caught up with what else you are not getting and what else you would like to get, what you have right there, right then doesn't matter anymore. You stop putting into that relationship because you could say, well, my secretary at work is so much better. That's how marriages fall apart. That's how our faith gets compromised. When we think about all the things that we're not getting rather than understanding all that God has already done. And this is, this is, this is really important. I cannot help you love God more. I can't. And if you are in a place where you go, well, this whole new heaven and new earth thing doesn't look that great. It means that you do not have an accurate understanding of God's plans, his purposes and what his kingdom looks like. Jesus says in John chapter 10, and we say this again and again and again, that he has come to bring real and eternal life, more and abundant life. But he doesn't say tomorrow. He says today. Today I am with you and I bring life to you. If you cannot see that your life today on this earth with God is not that great. If you cannot see what God can accomplish in you and through you in this time and in this day and in this moment, you have no idea what the afterlife is going to be like. It's not a place where you think of milkshakes and you get milkshakes. It's not a place where you want to play a computer game and you play a computer game. Sorry, boys. It's a place where we experience God's presence to such a degree that there is so much everything that we don't need anything else. And we get to experience that today. The Bible tells us that we can come to his presence with full confidence because he has already paid the price. Luke 20, 34 to 38. Jesus was talking and I really love how, he, uh, how, how the message version uh, translates this. It says, Jesus said, marriage is a major preoccupation here, but not there. There being the heaven and the earth together. Those who are included in the resurrection of the dead will no longer be concerned with marriage, nor, of course, with death. They will have better things to think about, if you can believe it. All ecstasies and intimacies then will be with God. All ecstasies and intimacies will then be with God. All ecstasies and intimacies will then be with God. When we start to understand that on this plane of existence, right today, right here, right now, you get to have your ecstasies and intimacies 
founded in God, you begin to see heaven. You begin to experience what God is trying to do. Jesus' intention wasn't to bring you to heaven. Jesus' intention was to bring heaven to earth. And then when he died and he rose again, he then commissioned us to be the ones who continue to bring heaven on earth. Going to heaven is overrated because it was never God's intention that that's our final resting place. Going to heaven is overrated because there's an earth that God desperately loves. Going to heaven is overrated because God is not done with earth. Going to heaven is overrated because God has empowered and commissioned us to transform earth. Going to heaven is overrated because... Then you've got to wait. Bringing heaven on earth is what we're doing now. You know, I, I, don't, I, I find it kind of interesting that this morning we had no electricity. We couldn't have our usual music and lights and not that we had that much or multi or any of that. And it feels different. We couldn't have fans, even though I really desperately want a fan right now. <laughs> we can't have any of those things. But the worship seemed less distracted. But the worship seemed more focused. The worship was all the more sweet because there was nothing to take us away from simply singing to our amazing God. And maybe you didn't feel that. Maybe you missed out on that. Maybe there's something that you need to grow in. But I wonder whether there was something that was linked in with the message this morning that why are we so distracted? Why are we so distracted by our career, by relationships, by, by accolades, by this and that? I'm not saying to... To be unwise in the way that we spend our money or spend our time. I'm not saying that you don't enjoy because if we get to bring heaven on earth and this is, you know, a big part of what God sees as beautiful, then we're going to be experiencing a lot more of this in the afterlife. The beauty, the majesty of the creation points to the creator. And we still get to experience and to love that, but... If in our hearts we are always distracted by what more can I get? Then maybe we won't see what do I have. We didn't have power and we didn't have all those things. But what we have is an ability to worship. We don't have the lights. We don't have the fans. But what do we have? We have fellowship. We don't have all of this. What if we have accumulated so much stuff in our lives? What if we've been looking for all those milkshakes that we want to drink that we don't see that the milkshakes aren't the point of heaven? That the point of heaven is God's presence. It's not about singing in some kind of choir. I think that's just a metaphor for the worship that we will want to pour out because God is so good. not about resting and floating half naked amongst the clouds. It's about being in God's presence. And then, you know what? Heaven on earth means that a lot of what we see on this earth isn't gone away. 
we might still have some kind of responsibilities. We might actually still have certain things that we are meant to do. We might have certain hobbies that we continue to keep. We get to. And one of the parables that Jesus teaches is that when the steward was um, given a certain amount of money and then he doubled it, and then what does the master say? You now get charge of 10 cities. The next one, he said, you get charge of four cities. What does this mean, this whole charge of four cities? Maybe heaven on earth is that we still get to be continually part of God's plan. I don't know about you, but leading this church as part of God's plan for me is exciting, is amazing. I'm not going to talk about leading Lyft as a burden, even though sometimes it is heavy. It is actually my joy and a part of my reward. My faithfulness to God allows me to walk in the call that he's given to me that brings me great joy and brings me great life. When other people look at my life and they say, um, why do you always look so happy? Why do you, you know, why do we, can I say this? Why do we at one stage in our Christianity make it seem like working for God was hard work? Why, why do we make it look like sacrificing for God was, the, was such a massive sacrifice? Yes, Jesus says to follow him, we are denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily and following him. But then he also says, follow me and when you work with me, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Uh, when I walk with God and when I work in this calling, there is an ease to what I am doing. And it gives me a sense of like, come on, bring it on, God. What would you like me to do? Because it gives me a great sense of purpose. Yes. You're not just going to be lying around having an angel feed you grapes, damn it. <laughs> what do you think you are? What do you think that is supposed to be? You want to be, you know, have you seen Wally? Where all those human beings get fed all the time and they're like, why do we think that that's heaven? No wonder people think hell is better. At least something is happening. I'm being tortured. So much more fun. The heaven is way better. There's more happening. Oh, I shouldn't be calling it heaven. The new heaven and the new earth. But the main crux of today's message is that it's not about waiting to go to heaven, but it's about bringing heaven to earth. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Live Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.